psychology. It's more than a philosophy, more than a psychology, more than just an ecology, bigger than biology, larger than anthropology, brushes against astrology. That's prophecology. here in this podcast, and this is another podcast that we are beginning to do today. And um, Minister Powell, how are you doing today? Been fabulous, Master Prophet. If I was any better, I'd probably be you. Okay. I wish I was you. I mean, you have the age. That means that if you were doing any better, you would be an old man. Well, Bishop, um, you're the seasoned wise man, so uh, you know all the way to go. The way to go is to be as young as you are and to be able to do a do-over. <laughs> Amen. You know, I wonder, you know, like, I, I oftentimes think if I could do it over again, would there be some children I would have deleted? No. no. There would have been more. You would have more. You would have had more of my children, baby. Saying, oh, I am so honored. You wanted to have ten children. And at one point, they thought I was carrying twins. At one point. Oh, I would. You know what, Pastor? That's if. Was it too old? We could pray no, to the medical science it. that we could do it. Take me back. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Right. <laughs> No, you said, mm-mm, you said, mm-mm. No, but I did read an article, strange enough, there was a woman, two women, one in India, and I think one in, in Italy, they had babies, mm -hmm. I mean, one was 70, early 70, twins, mm -hmm. and another one had another baby, I think in her late 60s. I'm going to find out what procedure they, they did. No, they did I'm, a lot of procedures. I'm going to, you know what? It wasn't worth it. it in no, vitro it fertilization. Much. Yes. That's I'm going to look for that. And they carried, and the mother carried and delivered, but... Elder Brad, I'm going to do it, because this could be like a real reality show. This could be like a... This could, I'm going to even get a network... Mother's body. But y'all are so physically fit, and with Dana, y'all would be again. really fine. Again. <laughs> Did you hear that face and that voice that came out when she said again? Again. Again. So, um... Mr. Powell, who is our guest we have today? Bishop, we here have the wonderful opportunity and pleasure to have Pastor Jonathan Aaron Toogood. Uh, we have him here with us. I can read his bio if you'd like. We will love it so that our audience can know all about Elder Toogood. All right. Jonathan Aaron Toogood is a native New Yorker. He is the second child to grace the union of Elder Preston and Andrea Toogood. Jonathan was raised in the praying band of Faith Apostolic Church in the Bronx, pastored by his maternal great-grandmother and the House of God, Holy Church of the Living God, the pillar and the ground of truth, and the house of prayer for all people. 
Jonathan was educated in the New York City and Albany County public school systems. He went to further his education in Baltimore, Maryland, attending the Baltimore International Culinary College, obtaining an associate's degree in applied science in professional cooking. After graduating from culinary school, Jonathan was back at his first church, Praying Band of Faith, now pastored by his father, the late Bishop Preston W. Toogood. There he served as Sabbath school teacher, minister of music, church administrator, advisory board member, and trustee. Officially licensed to minister in 2000, his father had the privilege of ordaining Jonathan an elder in the Lord's Church on December 15, 2007, amongst a great cloud of witnesses. Seeking more knowledge from the Lord, the newly ordained elder Jonathan followed in the footsteps of his grandmother, prior pastor of Praying Band of Faith, and enrolled in Manhattan Bible Institute, attending for two years. Trying to get a better grasp of his Hebrew culture, in 2016, he attended Hebrew classes in Harlem, taught by one of Harlem's last black rabbis. Mm. In December 2018, he was selected and affirmed a rabbi in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, under the Pan-African Orthodox Synagogue Incorporated organization. He is currently enrolled in Dominion Theological Seminary, working on his Bachelor's of Theology. One Sabbath in 2011, while ministering at a church in Brooklyn, the Lord placed an Elder Jonathan's spirit to plant a church. On Abib 1st, March 21st, 2012, the day of the new moon and the biblical new year, he began his new chapter in his life as pastor with the inaugural services of Devar Kaim Ministries, meaning word of life in Hebrew. Through his ministry, Lives, lives have been saved, reclaimed, transformed, delivered, enlightened, and healed. Blinders have been removed and shackles broken through the truth that has been taught and preached. For there on the hinges of his tongue hangs an impartation of life. Some of the event highlights of the ministry included the annual Commandment Keepers Barbecue, DCM 5th Anniversary Black Tie Dinner, and the 2019 trip to Israel. A chef by trade and a chef in the spirit, Pastor Jonathan prepares delicious, nourishing meals of the word weekly that cultivates, invigorates, instigates, rejuvenates, and illuminates the hearers. This is Pastor Jonathan Toogood. All right. God bless you, Pastor Toogood. Well, we are so honored to have you today, and thank you for being with us. I have so many questions that I want to ask you. I want to get into the life of um, Bishop Toogood. Um, now, Prof, uh, Minister Powell, what was the first question you would like to ask Minister Ooh, um, oh Elder Lord. Toogood? Oh, Lord. Um, Rabbi, R and I say that in... <laughs> The most in the most authentic way possible. Um, can you can you take me back to some of the origins of the Hebrew Pentecostals? I, I've I've all, I've been fascinated by this for years. Can you take me just a little bit of just where did that start? Uh well, back in the 19, 1918, actually during 
the pandemic, uh, Bishop R.R. Johnson, the Lord spoke to him, and Bishop R.R. Johnson founded uh, the House of God, the Holy Church of the Living God, the Pillar and Ground of the Truth, the House of Prayer for All People, which is the name of the church. He is a, a product of um, Mother Mary Tate. And um, so the Lord spoke to him concerning the Sabbath, and uh, he began to start churches around the country. Um, my great-grandmother, the Lord spoke to her in the 20s or the 30s, I think it was, and uh, told her where to go, and she was going to see some people dressed in white with a mantle, and it was actually one of Bishop Johnson's churches that was on 119th Street in Harlem, which was literally right around the corner from one of the uh, black Hebrew churches, uh, Rabbi Matthews, uh, which is where our first chief apostle had learned some Hebrew from Rabbi Matthews, Rabbi Wentworth Matthews. And there, um, the, one of the, that was the headquarter church at one time. And then when Bishop S.P. Rollins took over the church, he was the second chief apostle. And uh, people asked him, because we were different, because we kept the Sabbath and we kept the feast days, and they asked about the, what were we? Were we Pentecostal? Were we apostolic? Whatever. And uh, he designated us as a Hebrew Pentecostals because we include uh, both the Old and the New Testament, not just the New Testament. And because we keep the feast, we uh, uh, keep the uh, commandments, the laws, his statutes, and his judgments. So um, that's kind of where that kind of stems from. And there are other branches that have branched off of, uh, that come from the root of Bishop R.R. Johnson. Mm. Wow. wow. Now, let me ask you something. Right now, and um, I probably should be saying happy anniversary to you, because this is the anniversary, because we are now in the month of Abib. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, we are. Yes, and we are. Um, t tell them more about the month of Abib. Well, the month of Abib, we, we say Abib, Abib. The, um, uh, is the first month of the year. In the book of Exodus, chapter 12, uh, the uh, Bible tells us that the Lord spoke to Moses and told him to tell the children of Israel that this month shall be the first month of the year unto you. And it is the month where the Passover was slain. He told them to get a lamb on the 10th day and to keep it into the 14th day of this month and to slay it and eat it at night uh, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And uh, God was going to deliver Israel out of the land of Egypt. So I like to coin this season, uh, this time, as the season of great deliverance. Uh, what is very interesting is he also says that, uh, and the scripture says, I think it is in Exodus 13, uh, that the, or, or 14, that the selfsame day that they left out of Egypt was the selfsame day that they went into Egypt. So Abraham and his sons, the Bible says it was 70 of them, that went into Egypt because of the famine. So they were delivered from the famine in Genesis in the month of Abib. It might have been called Abib at that time, but it was certainly the first month or the first new moon after the equinox. And so uh, they were delivered from the famine in the month of Abib. They were delivered from Israel in the month of Abib. 
Uh, and as we fast forward, uh, our Savior Yahshua HaMashiach, who is known as Jesus the Christ, was crucified during the month of Abib. Not only that, but in 1865, uh, on uh, April the 9th, during the month of Abib, General Lee surrendered to Ulysses Grant, to General Grant, therefore freeing, quote unquote, the slaves from slavery here in the month of Abib. So there's a lot of deliverances that happen in, in the month, and you know that certain things are seasonal. Mm -hmm. And this is, I believe, it is the season of deliverance in the month of Abed. He tells us again in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 1 to observe the month of Abed and keep the Passover unto the Lord our God. And not only that, if I may throw this in there, but last year when I uh, had COVID, I had COVID, it started in the month of Adar, which was the month before Abib, but God delivered me from COVID in the month of Abib. So the month of Abib certainly has a lot of spiritual significances, even in deliverance. Wow. <laughs> I, let's give that a hand. I tell you, this is... Elder's ready to get up here and preach. Um, now, Elder Tugut, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the scripture here and... Um, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 1 that you just quoted mm -hmm. said, observe the month of Abib mm -hmm. and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. And in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. By That's night. interesting. So the journey of the children of Israel was a journey by night. It was a journey by night, is what the scripture says. And God is so meticulous in what he does and in his planning. When he told them to observe this month, of course, the month in Hebrew, they are beginning at the new moon. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, the, the months, the spiritual calendar follows the lunar calendar because God put everything in the sky. Uh, so it wouldn't be a question as when does the month start? And we just look up in the sky and see, oh, it's the new moon, so it's a new month. Yes. Uh, but the new moon means that there's no moon. And uh, when he told them to kill the Passover on the 14th day, and he delivered them on the 15th day, that's halfway through the lunar cycle. And halfway through, you have a full moon. Mm -hmm. So when he delivers them, he delivers them at the light of the full moon. So they're able to see with, because, you know, at nighttime you can't see. That's right. That's right. That's so right. He was, he was very specific and meticulous about doing that. So he said, I, and not only that, we know he was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. But he delivered them through the light of the full moon. Right. So when you look at the wisdom of God in this, Jonathan, Jonathan, you see why I want you in seminary? Jonathan, Jonathan, smile. Isn't this rich Elder Brad? This is fabulous. But, but you know, Bishop, this is literally what, and I know this for a fact, what Archbishop, the late Archbishop Roy Brown and the late Bishop, Bishop uh, Tugood, Preston Tugood, they would be on the phone. I was in the car. I was in the house. I remember picking Bishop up to bring him into Harlem to meet the late Bishop Tugood at, um, at uh, Amy Roos. And they sat and they talked back this, con this same conversation. This is amazing. Amen. So when we begin to look at the wisdom of God, 
God knew he was going to deliver them at night. And of course, you know, um, I, I went to school for astro astrological sciences, so I understand this, that the new moon is when the moon is now being born. There is no moon in the sky. And it's interesting that when something is new, it is a no. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when it's new, it's a negative. Mm. Like all things starts in darkness and ends in light. It starts with the invisible to the visible. It starts with the, the first number um, on the calendar um, is a zero, or the first number is a zero, yeah. and then comes a one. Mm -hmm. And so when you're even looking at the new moon on the Farmer's Almanac, it has the zero day and then the first day, mm. okay? And so that's very powerful what you share there about the new moon, Elder Good. But then God delivering at night, now that makes sense because the full moon is when you've had the light in the sky. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an astrologer in your midst or a person that knows how to read the heavens, they will not know when to travel. Mm -hmm. yes. And so that is very interesting. So the, um, the month of Abib is a month that we are supposed to be still observing today as Christians in our faith. Well, I, I certainly do believe so. Um, it is, uh, it, it, the Bible says that it was supposed to be uh, kept throughout your generations. And the problem with that is a lot of us don't know who we are because of slavery. And because when we were brought over, we were separated when we got over here to the Americas, whether it was in North America or the Caribbean or in South America, we were separated from our parents and they were not able to tell us who we were mm -hmm. and where we come from and, and, and what we practice, what religions we practice. Um, and I know that you've talked with Dr. Only Love. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, She's finding family. out that, uh, the, you know, the Igbo tribe, which I, I'm part of the Igbo tribe myself, uh, and um, knowing that information. So when you know that information and you know that he said that this is for Israel and there's a specific purpose, what we have to understand is that everything that God does, he plans it out, whether he yes. tells us yes. how he's doing it or why he's doing it. But all of the feast days kind of coincide with his plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. He was crucified and died during Passover. He was risen from the dead during the feast of first fruits which we're in now, we're both in Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Firstfruits. We're actually on the third uh, day of the Omer, which is the count towards Pentecost. And then on Pentecost, we know he sent the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, uh, to indwell inside of people. And then there's the gap from Pentecost uh, to the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. So now I believe, and that's what I say, we're in the gap right now, because all of that happened back in the New Testament, back in the times over about 2,000 years ago, and now we're in the gap of time. And I believe that during the Feast of Trumpets is the day that Yahweh himself shall sound the trumpet, and uh, which will wake up the dead, and then during atonement we become at one with him, we've been reconciled to him, and then during the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, we'll dwell with him and we'll tabernacle with him forever. Wow. So I believe the feasts are significant mm -hmm. in our salvation. You know, that's very powerful. And, you know, the way you put that just now, because we have the coming of Christ in Passover, the um, death, 
and resurrection of Christ in this month, Abib. And it's amazing that we're, they were observing this month to really to prepare for that day when Jesus says, this is my body. This is, yes. This is my blood. So we've observed it too, mm -hmm. him starting a new era, which is actually, um, is this a time now that y'all consider this a spiritual part of the new year? Is this now the new year? Do y'all consider that as the new year now? Well, you know, I, I often tell people that we have many new years. We have different new years. Yes. Uh, of course, your birthday is a new year. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, um, not the Gregorian calendar, the civil calendar, the civil Hebrew calendar starts in the month of Tishri or the month of Ephanim, which is, according to Leviticus, is actually the seventh month. Right. Because the scripture says in, in the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a memorial of blowing of trumpets. But uh, when God spoke to Israel, he told them in Exodus that this month shall be unto you the first month of the year. So I do, you know, again, I, when I started my church, I, when I was having struggles whether I should do it or not, I was sitting in church, I was preaching that Sabbath, and uh, I was watching, this, I was looking at the service and things, and I was saying that this church, this, this church shouldn't be open. I don't know why they're open. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a word for that church. And I said, why is he giving me a word for that church if I think, but it's not about what you think that it shouldn't be open. And the Lord said to me, the same thing that they're doing here, you can do too. And I said, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to do that. He said, the same thing that, you sh or that they're doing, you can do. And I said, well, if I was to do that, because a lot of people pressure you and you're like, when are you going to open up a church? When are you going to open a church? And I said to myself, and I said to the Lord, if that's going to happen, it's going to have to happen on a new year. And the Spirit spoke to me while I was sitting on the pulpit, still in service, and said, check your calendar on your phone. And I had a Blackberry at that time with a Hebrew calendar on it. I looked on it, and the next new moon for that next new year was on the Sabbath, Abib the first, and the Spirit said, that's when you're going to start the ministry. Wow. Wow. So, wow. Uh, because I like to, and that's when I celebrate my anniversary. I don't celebrate it on the fourth Saturday of March. Whenever the new moon or the month of the first of Abib pops up, that's when I celebrate my anniversary. Wow. Uh, even years ago, when I had found out when my actual birthday was, I was born 20 days after Pentecost mm. on Savannah the 26th. Uh, Pentecost comes on Savannah the 6th. And so every 20 days after Pentecost should be my birthday, even though on the Gregorian calendar, mm -hmm. it floats around. So I try to, you know, I try to use the Hebrew calendar uh, when it comes to certain significant things in my life. So that yeah, means your birthday, that means then you're a Gemini. That means your, uh, are you, that means your birthday is sometime in May or June. It's in June. It's towards the end of June. June. So it would be on June 24th. June 24th. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, oh, you cancer. Cancer. Okay. Yeah. So it's 20 days after Pentecost. But see. Of that year. Of that year. Yeah. I got that I, year. I, so you have to, you have to figure out of that year when it fell. And so it fell, uh, Pentecost would have been on uh, June the 4th in 1976. Yes. So this year, is, I think Pentecost is in May. Right. So this is, now, so, so this is a great lead-in. So when we began to, one of the things when I was studying astrological sciences, they said astrology was very important for one to know because if you didn't know astrology, you did not know how to worship. 
and this is now bringing us into something that you literally know when your new year actually began because you're tracking it by the moon, which is what Abraham actually went by and the Hebrew people tracking it by the moon and your birthday is now tracked around the holy days. Mm. Yes. And the sacredness of that. So when you start looking at that, that is very, very, very um, powerful. And so let's talk about this. When we begin to look at the scriptures, all of our holy days are really floating days, aren't they? Certainly. Mm. Floating holidays. That's certainly so. That's what they are. He said, these are my feasts. These are my convocations. And mm. uh, he gave his things. You know, people say, uh, you keep the Jewish feast. You keep the Jew. No, I don't keep the Jewish feast or the Jewish Sabbath. Because before there was a Jew, there was a Sabbath. There was a Sabbath <laughs> in creation before wow. there was even sin. Right Minister Powell, what do you think about this, Minister Powell? <laughs> Bishop, this is going to be a good day. <laughs> oh, this is fabulous. This is this is this is just so good. Oh, oh God, where's Prophet Joshua? He's got to jump in on this. Prophet Joshua should have been here, this uh, is so but good. you know, uh, this is so good. Here, my son is in seminary and he's taking up Hebrew. Okay. So he's in his, um, I think he just finished up his second semester of Hebrew right now. Okay. And so, yeah, so he's, um, yeah. so, so when we begin to look at it, tell us a little bit, because right now at the time of this podcast, we're actually in the feast of unleavened bread. Tell us what is the feast of unleavened bread in your own words? Uh, the feast of unleavened bread is a seven day feast that uh, he gave to Israel and told them to eat unleavened bread for seven days because when they were in Egypt and they killed the lamb uh, and they put the blood on the doorposts, they put the blood on the two side posts, and they put the uh, blood on the uh, lentil, uh, which was to signify that there was life in the house. And if I can just, you know, just go over here for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the door, you look at the door and you look at the blood that was used as ink <clears throat> and they put the marks on the side and the mark on the top. It looks like the Hebrew word chai, which means life. life. So therefore, when the Lord, you know, we often say when the death angel passed through, but the Bible says that he himself was going to pass through the land of Egypt. When the Lord was passing through the land of Egypt, he was looking and he was looking at all the banners and all the signs because he said the blood shall be a token and a token is a sign, it's a banner. Yes. <laughs> the blood would be a token uh, on your houses that wherever uh, there's blood is, there would be no death. Wow. It would be life. And the Hebrew word chai means, so there were signs all over Egypt saying life, 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 life. Mm -hmm. And wherever there was life, the Lord didn't go in and destroy anybody. But where there was no sign meant that there was death in the house. Mm. So he told them to uh, prepare your dough, but don't put any leaven in it because you're not going to have time for this dough to rise. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to do a quick work. You're not going to have time for this dough to proof. So don't even put leaven in it and bake this, uh, this dough, this bread, and eat the lamb 
which was, you know, it was said was kept on the taken on the tenth day, uh-huh. kept until the fourteenth day, roast whole with fire, eat the lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. And so we would keep this feast, it's a memorial. It says in Exodus that the time would come when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? And you're going to tell them it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover when he passed through the houses of the land of Egypt and delivered our houses. So they had a meal before they were thrust out of Egypt. And I had a question about that. Why do they have to cook this lamb and why do they have to eat this unleavened bread? God says that what I'm doing is I'm going to give you a meal something that you will have strength because deliverance requires strength. Ooh, my, 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 my. Oh, y'all better put a praise on that. Y'all better put a praise on that. Oh, yes, you know, sir. wait, 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 wait. My wife's trying to keep up with the notes, honey. What are you thinking about all of this, honey? Oh, my God, that is how deliverance requires requires strength. strength. Deliverance requires strength. Oh, my God. Jonathan, what are you thinking about? Prophet Stephen, what are you thinking about this here? This is fantastic. I mean, I can't wait to get into the shower because I'm about to put that in a preaching. I got to Deliverance requires requires strength. strength. And that's, Bishop, that's what you've been telling us all year. Get your strength. Get your immune system. Build yourself up. Uh-uh. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, and you can't eat certain foods. There's, there, there is a particular diet that God himself has ordained in this season to partake of. So they needed meat ah, for their journey. For their strength, they meat, yes. And they needed that 11 bread, which is the carbs, mm-hmm. to give them strength mm-hmm. to leave out. And see, what he says in Exodus is that uh, he says, I'm going to cause your enemies to thrust you out. Ah. of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. There are some things that some people are in, they don't even have strength to leave on their own. The enemy has to put them out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Woo! So that meant that there were some Jews, if I may say it, or Hebrews, that may have been privileged in Egypt that didn't leave with those that was thrust out. That's, that's, uh, that's possibly so. There were some people that just decided that they may have made alliances with some of the Egyptians in the state, but all of Israel, they, you know, and even, actually the Bible says that a mixed multitude went out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So there were some people, I believe that there were some Egyptians that saw the God of Israel working and said, wait a second. We're going to have to leave these multiple gods alone, uh-huh. and we're going to have to worship the true and living God. Amen. Likewise, I, and I don't know, but there may have been other nations that were there that may have been slaves. Yes. Yes, sir. And they attached themselves with Israel. You got to know who to attach yourself to, and not just because of their circumstance, because you would have figured that they were slaves. Why should I attach myself to these slaves? Why should I attach myself to these servants? You, it's not about who they are. It's about whose they are. That's it. Wow. This is great. Now, oh my God, this is... This is really good, and, 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 and I'm getting blessed by this. So now, I was in Israel, and oh, man, you, you got me. I want to ask you a 
thousand questions. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Well, I mean, I, I, I was, uh, my wife and I was in Israel, and while we were there, there was, um, they were selling, the, there were some things that they were selling out of the keys of Solomon. Now, I'm not, okay, now let, let me just qualify this, okay, because I don't want some of you to get spooked, and some of this is mysticism. But um, I had to take a course in college on magic, mm -hmm. right? And when you said the thing about the token, which is very interesting and very key, because there's this, um, this, um, this sign. The Bible oftentimes says, I will give you a sign. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, um, I'm trying to find the word that is used for it, because I showed it to my son the other day. Like, if, like there's certain people that will wear the name of God as a sign. How important was it for the Hebrews to wear these different symbols on themselves? Like the um, talith can be almost like a, 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 a sign or a symbol. Mm -hmm. So that when the woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, uh -huh. you know, that she may have not just touched a regular garment, but she was touching a sign of something uh -huh. that may have spoke to something. What would you say about that? Well, the, the scripture uh, did tell Israel to wear the phylacteries and to uh, mm -hmm. put the fringes on your borders, on the borders of your garments, the corners of your garments. And they were there as a reminder mm -hmm. of his law and his government. And uh, we have to remember that he is our king. It's the problem with Israel is they wanted to be like the other nations. Yes. They wanted, when they got out of, when they got out of um, Egypt and they were wandering and they got into the promise, they wanted to be like other nations. We know they said, uh, they said to, um, I believe it was Saul, or not Saul, uh, the prophet Samuel, and said, give us a king. We want a king. Mm -hmm. We want a king. Well, with a king, uh, comes certain decrees and certain laws. And what Israel failed to realize is that they always had a king. They had a king from the time that they were, uh, even before then when they were in Egypt, they always had a king. It was not in a person. The king was their God. Mm -hmm. And so these laws represented their king, his kingdom his decrees and things. So that's why they wore these things uh, to remind them of, so you're supposed to be reminded when you see those things, those articles of who God is. Sometimes we need a reminder because sometimes we're going around and we don't see who God is. It's, it's supposed to remind us. But now we have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that I will give you a new heart and yes. I will take out the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh that you may walk in my ways, walk in my commandments. So the reminder no longer is necessarily the outward articles, the mezuzah or the sitzes or the phylacteries that they wore on their head. Mm -hmm. The reminder is the Holy Ghost that speaks to us and tells us, uh, uh, you not need to do that yes. or you need to go the other way. So uh, those, you know, that's. So, and this is great. Let's give that a hand clap. Please. So when we begin to see that the things that was on the doorposts, uh -huh. 
the things that they were wearing on the, the, the fringes, the things that they would wear when we were in Israel, they have something that they have more, or, around the head yeah, as the, a the token. Boxes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Lactories and things. Lactories, yeah. And um, around the around um, arms, yes. wrap it up, and, and they wrap up. it up. Mm -hmm. And I saw one in the airplane. That's wrapping. what they did when we was on the airplane too. We all of a sudden they got up, and everybody just went to wrapping, and wow. they went and they they did their one thing about uh, these Jews, and I don't even want to really get into that uh, because okay. uh, Nick Cannon said something that kind of got him into some trouble. Uh -huh. But uh, the truth of the matter is, what he said wasn't a lie. Right. Uh, but anyhow. Um, they're not ashamed, wherever they are, to represent who they are and for people to know who they are and what they do. A plane full of people, not just Jews, we were on there with 17 of us that went back in 2019. And when it was time, the adults as well as their children got up, wrapped themselves and went in the back of the plane and started doing their prayers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Muslims aren't ashamed. They'll be selling in the street. They have stores. Mm -hmm. They'll put their prayer mats down mm -hmm. and they'll stop. The business will halt eh. because they got to talk to their God. Right. But when it comes to us, mm. we, who do we look like? Mm -hmm. When it comes to quote unquote Christians, who can identify us by looking at us? Mm. My God, my God. Wow. wow. And that is very true. And when we travel and you look at other religions, I mean, um, I was going to India and I was in first class and a guy walked over to me and says, can I sit my God next to you? And I said, no. He says, would you please let my God sit over here next to you? And he was walking around with his portable God. Mm. Wow. Wow. But he was very serious. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. About the deity that he was getting. It, it was unashamed. Mm. You know. And I thought about that. I says, I wonder if if that was my faith, you know, we barely confess that, you know, we're Christians and we're tongue talkers mm. without, you know, we almost give an apology for yeah. being who we are, yeah. right? But this person walked up to me as a black man said, and first, I'd like to sit my God here next to you. With a straight face. With a straight face and wow. serious mm -hmm. in first class. Not I want to sit this next to you. Oh, no, well, you, you know, that wasn't going to happen yeah. anyway. Because <laughs> you don't know what that call. is. No, I don't right. know what that yeah. is. Yeah. Did you buy your God a ticket? You know, but the point of the matter is that it was, it's just amazing. Amen. Wow. So um, let me ask you this. So during this Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, you also said that this is also considered the first fruits. Is that correct? Yes. It's the 50-day the, the, the Feast of First Fruits going towards the end of it, which is Pentecost, why the uh, Jews were in uh, Jerusalem at that time during the pilgrimage feast in the upper room. They were there not because Jesus told them to go there, but they were there keeping the feast. Mm. Yes. And you know, my wife and I, we were reading a book together. Um, it's entitled Unreading, wait, wait, reading the, misreading. misreading the scripture through Western eyes. Yes, yes. So it's like it teaches us about the whole 
um, that we've been reading the scripture through Western eyes mm -hmm. and how to unread the scripture from Western eyes. And um, when I began to look at it, all of the stuff that Jesus did, it's almost like he never did it without an audience. And the reason that there was an audience, because he was performing a lot of these things during feast periods. Mm. Like when he went to Jerusalem, like I was amazed at all the things that were being done leading up to Palm Sunday. And then the stuff, because you know, they were traveling. And I think one of the things that in the book, when it talked about Mary and Joseph, and you begin to think, says, why was this man pregnant? I mean, this woman pregnant, carrying his pregnant wife, Mary, and why they're traveling. And in the book, it began to explain because they had no choice, because they all moved together as a community. So all the midwives was traveling also because they had to go and worship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. So they did not, back in those days, they didn't leave someone behind because, because of. <clears throat> they were commanded to move about as a community. And so when you begin to start to see this, here is a culture that God has created, the Hebrew people, that they moved during that time, when you start looking at this in a cultural context, moved about as a community. And so they were carrying their goods to Jerusalem so that they can go and worship. Yes, they was, uh, he was the priest and it was his course and he had to go. And that's why uh, we're prone to believe that um, the Messiah was born more so towards the Feast of Tabernacles time mm -hmm. as opposed to December 25th. The scripture says they, the, the, they, the shepherds were out watching their flock by night and it gets cold out there. The sheep would have been indoors right. around that time, uh, around December time, the winter time. So, um, but, but yes, the, so they were going to Jerusalem uh, to worship uh, during the three times in a year, the Bible said during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, during the Feast of Weeks, and during the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, and I've heard, heard that too, because it says that it possibly was conceived around about in December during the time of the light, when the, mm -hmm. the earth was, when the light was, mm -hmm. when the earth was the darkest and during the winter, equinox when the light was starting to come into the world and then the word became flesh mm -hmm. and John says and tabernacled yes among us. among us so it was being born during and around about the time of the feast of tabernacles mm. and and that would be so apropos I mean we and we're not predicting the coming of the Lord but if he came the first time during around that Feast of Tabernacles, then that second time would have to be coming around during that time of when the trumpet shall sound. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because he would be coming to fulfill the law. The law. Right? Now, no man knows the day or the hour because the Feast of Trumpets is taking place for about, what is it, seven or ten days? The Feast of Trumpets is a, is a one day feast. It's a one day feast. Right. So it's a one day feast, but during that whole time, there's a lot of feasts happening, um, a lot of holy days happening during that period. Is that correct? Well, yes. The, the, uh, again, the scripture uh, says in Leviticus 23 that 
Now, what's interesting is that most of the, of the other feasts you have, uh, you're going to have on, on a certain day of a certain month, you'll have this, you're going to do this, that, and the other. But on the first day of the seventh month, the scripture just says that she shall have a memorial of blowing of trumpets, and you shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord. Every feast requires a burnt offering. Every feast requires, and, and how many feasts, well, this is going to get interesting. How many, how many feasts are there? There are seven feasts. There are seven feasts. So at each one of those feasts are considered like another like a Sabbath. Yes, the, the, uh, it, it says uh, in Leviticus 23 again, that's, where, that's, where, that's our reference scripture to the feast. Mm -hmm. So everything is simply there. It tells us that, well, actually, the first uh, feast is the Sabbath. He tells us uh, uh, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. You shall have a holy convocation. Then it tells us the 14th day of the seventh, um, the 14th day of the first month is uh, the Lord's Passover at evening. Uh, on the 15th day of that month uh, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On the first day and on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. And so that was those particular Sabbaths that fell whenever they fell during the week. Right. We just had uh, the first day of Unleavened Bread on uh, Sunday. And then the last one, the seventh day, will actually fall on a Saturday. So the two Sabbaths will kind of collide or eclipse each other um, for the end of the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then when the Feast of Weeks, the 50th day, when you start to count, the Bible says that you shall count on the morrow after the Sabbath from the day that the priest put the sickle to the corn. So it was not talking about the seventh day Sabbath. Because if you start counting on the seventh-day Sabbath, you'll always end up on a Sunday for Pentecost. Yeah. But it's talking about the feast Sabbath, which is the 15th day of the month of Abib, because the priest would put the sickle to the corn on that time, on the 16th day, which, which you would begin to count the Omar, which is uh, one, the 16th day, the 17th day is two, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then you'll always end up with Pentecost on a different day of the week. Oh, okay. So, so right now, then we are in the third day, if I am correct. We're in the third day, and as soon as the sun sets, we'll be into the fourth, fourth day. day. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is amazing. So then you keep counting the days from this point, and the 50th day, mm -hmm. and, and, and you say Omar. Now, what, is, what does Omar mean? Omar is just the count towards Pentecost. It's the just count the count towards Pentecost. He says, he says, you shall count. So it's just the count. It's to count towards Pentecost. Yes. So that means that we are to start counting to the days. And if we begin to look at that, we begin to see that. Now, um, some scholars are even um, was saying that when the children of Israel now leaves Egypt, that count is actually happening and so they're getting into the Feast of Weeks. Would that be around the time when the Ten Commandments are given? Yes. That's what we, what, yes. We, you know, it, it's not specific to tell us what the actual day or date is that they received, that Moses received the law. Mm -hmm. But we do know that uh, it was after that time he had gone into, uh, gone across the Red Sea and already into the wilderness. And then we read down, you know, they got to uh, the foot of the mountain and he told um, 
Israel, told Moses, tell Israel to sanctify themselves and uh, uh, wash your clothes and don't go into your wives because I'm going to speak to you. He's not going to trust Moses this time. Well, he's not going to give Moses that responsibility to speak to Israel. He's going to establish himself and let Israel hear his voice. They've always heard Moses ever mm. since the time when Moses came uh, to Israel. To Egypt, they heard Moses. Moses gathered the 70 elders, and the elders went out and spoke to, or the, or the elders, not the 70 yet, the elders, and spoke to uh, Israel and told them what was to be, what was to do. So they always heard the voice of Moses or the representative of Moses. But now, when they got to the foot of Mount Sinai, God was going to speak to the whole nation of Israel uh, from, the, from the clouds, from the mountain. The Bible says in Exodus 20, and God spake all these words, saying, and he established who he, I am, Yahweh thy Elohim, or the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water. He establishes himself, and it is said to be around that time of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. During that time when he gave the law to Moses on stone. But in the New Testament, he gave us the law in our hearts. Yes. Wow. That is amazing. Let's give that some praise. That's great. So uh, this, is a, this is a whole teaching. And, and, and so we have the Feast of Pentecost, um, which... Um, is also called, um, is it? Um, Shavuot. 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 And that's the, the seven weeks plus one yes. day. And so we have the Shavuot. So you have, so we're going from the Feast of Eleven, Eleven Bread to the Feast of Pentecost. And then after the Feast of Pentecost, we are starting now to move into what? The Day of Atonement? The Feast of Trumpets first. The Day of Trumpets, Trumpets first. Yom Teruah. Yom Teruah. And that's only one day. The day of the loud blast, yes. And as you were talking earlier about um, the Feast of Trumpets and about his return, I'm inclined to believe that because the Feast of Trumpets, there's not much said about it besides that there shall be a memorial of blowing of trumpets, mm. of sounding of a loud blast. And so we're sounding uh, our trumpets during this time of the feast, and it is preparation that we would be able to tune in to, if we tune into the priests blowing the trumpets, we'll have our ear tuned to Yahweh blowing the trumpets, mm. or blowing the trumpet, because he only gonna need one trumpet. Wow. That's the, that's the gathering of coming back unto their own to, to come as one. Yes, because the significance of the trumpets is to call the people together. Yep. When they hear the sound of the trumpets, they know that there were different sounds. Some was to gather the assembly. There was a different sound to go to war. And so, but this, I believe that when he sounds this trumpet, and we don't know what day, it could be this trumpet's coming, we don't know. And we don't know what hour it will be. But I believe because he uses his feast in his plan of salvation, and salvation is not yet complete. Mm -hmm. And it will not be complete until we are 
with him, with a final salvaging and salvation and coming out of the world, meeting him in the sky, that the world, the earth might be purified mm. so that we could come back to this earth. John said, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, My coming God. down to the earth so that we can dwell in the new Jerusalem. Because, you know, when you went over to the old Jerusalem, mm -hmm. it was inhabited with foreigners. Yes. It was inhabited with Muslims. Mm -hmm. So he's not going back to the old Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. He's got to make it new. Wow. So that we could go there and live and dwell with him forever. Amen. Wow and wow. Now, um, but, but, but before we conclude this podcast, tell us about your culinary. Do you have cooking skills? <laughs> I do have a few <laughs> cooking skills. Actually, um, I worked there. I used to work at Amy Ruth's. Oh, really? And uh, wow. you used to come there all the time. I sure did. Every week, I, I would see that limousine uh, pull up in front of... Uh, you never know who's watching you. <laughs> Thank God I lived a holy life. That's oh, right. my God. You never know. The cook wow. was watching me at I was Ruth. watching. You wouldn't always get out, but we had your order ready. I think you had either turkey wings or turkey meatloaf. Ooh. Wow. Oh, my, my. <laughs> you know what? Come on now. Jonathan, where did you find this Bishop. man? You see, you see this, you Bishop? And that was, that was back in, um, when I was working, and that was back in 2001, 2000. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that was oh, I, 20 years ago. Oh, my God, I love that. I really wanted to, I even went up to Amy Ruth. I would go up to Foxwood, just go to Amy Ruth, because it was the first <laughs> black business in, in, um, yes. in Foxwood. Mm -hmm. and, oh, my goodness. Yes, but the sir. food in Foxwood did not taste like the one in Harlem. No, they 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 would. I've never been to the one in Foxwoods, but I see that's why it didn't taste so right. It, you know, we <laughs> leave that alone. You know? <laughs> so, so you have culinary schools. I mean, skills. You love cooking. I enjoy cooking. I love. I, I do enjoy cooking. I, I love it. We're gonna have you. You've met the Master Chef. Master Chef and Anne. I, I watch your Insta uh, stories. But you know, all the time. We're going to have you here. Jonathan, I want you to arrange for a day. That's going to be nice. Where oh, Elva Tugood takes over the kitchen oh, take with over. the master oh, chef. Nice. Bishop, Bishop, <laughs> why, you know, we should probably see if for the next feast we could have the rabbi prepare a meal. Oh, Oh, Lord. Rabbi. Rabbi. Always getting people in the trouble. Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi. We will, and we will film that. Oh, Lord. Absolutely. And then we'll also have them, because we're supposed to be doing a, um, a special Christmas program with mm. the Figueroas and the Jordans. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're bringing all our families together. That's going to be nice. And we're supposed to have... We're going to have the first ladies in the kitchen. Nice. You know, um, evangelist Doreen can really cook. She can oh, go. yes. Manny's kitchen. Legendary. She can cook. And Prophet Deborah can throw down. Throw down. down. That's it. That's and it. And we're going to have a Christmas dinner. We're going to film that. And they'll be cooking not just for themselves, of course, but all the staff that is here. But it would be good <laughs> to have Elder Too Good here. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. Minister Johnson, have you tasted any of Elder Too Good? I have had some of his, watch this, I've had some of his food, and it's as thorough and, and, and tasteful 
as his teaching on the Torah. It's nothing to play with. And Bishop, he's a musician. You're a musician? Wow. Yes, sir. What you've done with music? I still play on Sundays. On Sunday mornings, I, I play at a White Rock Baptist Church. Wow. What? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my. And do you have any recordings out? No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not all the way there. I'm not, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I, I tell myself, I tell people, I'm a storefront organist. You know, and every one of y'all that said that. Right. When right. <laughs> we looked up and saw y'all mm -hmm. on the award show. Right. Stellar. Right. New right. musician of the year. I just play at home. That's I just have to play at all. I'm not being mobbed. That's, that's, that's something, I'm, just, I'm just a little something, something. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah there it is. Yeah, right. see, that's what Andre Crouch that's said. That's right. right. You know, my father set me on a keyboard. I haven't taken a lesson. And it just said play, and they prayed and fasted. Right. And, right. You know, and and I just been, ben and, Tanker did that, too. Yeah, Ben Tanker did that? Yeah. yeah. They, they, they anointed him. They needed someone to play, and they said, you, come up. And they anointed him. He had never played. Mm -hmm. He sat down and played. That's how the, you know, those saints back there in the day. Oh, so let me ask you this. Now, y'all are Hebrew Pentecostals. Did your church have many prophets in it? You know, the prophets, uh, most of the prophets originate out of, from the East Coast and more so centralized in, Phil in the Philadelphia area. We did have a lot of prophets uh, back then, certainly. You know, uh, and I, I'm not trying to name drop, but my cousin is a prophet, Prophet Todd Hall. Oh, he, yeah. He you know, he used to walk around for a minute as a barefoot prophet. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his mom and my mom are first cousins. Wow. They are first cousins. Really? I know. So this is not just something that people say, you know, oh, they, you know, the little play cousins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's the oldest of uh, my generation. Oh, yeah. Boy, I know Prophet Todd Hall very well. We've been on platforms together ministering. And, um, and he also can play spades very well. I can't with you. <laughs> <laughs> we play spade until like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I said, Todd, Prophet Hall, I am going to get you. It was him, Damien, and uh, Overseer Flowers and myself. Wow. And him and Damien. And Todd is using his gift to look in my hands. <laughs> I can't. I, I said, Prophet Hall, <laughs> oh my goodness. And so y'all have always in your church had a tradition of the prophetic in, in y'all assemblies. We've, yes, we've had, it's, it's been a lot of prophets. Um, one of the church that my father actually joined that was a member of, um, the pastor, her name was Prophetess Satilia. Now, Satilia was her spiritual name. Her name was Olivia Mitchell. But uh, back then, the, uh, they used to walk heavy in the prophetic and, uh, you know, with some of them, pro um, they walked around with staffs mm. and uh, things. They fellowship back and forth. Um, and so, but now, this generation that's coming up now does not operate like they do. I know. They don't operate like they but do. But, you know, I got to bring you back for another segment to talk <laughs> about the prophets. Because the prophets, Bishop, that's another, that, th I would love to see what that looked like. See, I'm wondering if it's connected a lot like the prophets in Africa, because mm. you know they had the um, a lot of the Zionists, and they had different branches that were Pentecostal, that was filled with the Spirit, and that's interesting. And they walked around with staffs, mm. because when we go to the palace, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they would be there. 
and they would begin to go forth. And a lot of those are individuals, they were like prophets to the monarchy. Mm. Mm. Wow. And so when I would go into Africa, they would put me on these platforms and I would be speaking and also these prophets would be there. Mm -hmm. And it is something that, uh, I am kind of wondering, and I really wanted to do, but I couldn't find the right university that would probably let me do this. I really wanted to do my doctoral work on the prophetic. Mm. And I would have loved to have gotten inside some of the ancient traditions. Mm -hmm. But, the, you know, people are already calling me a warlock and stuff. So I just, I probably, I think, I think my own fear of what people would say. Because when I was in Africa, I went and met with, I, you know, I met you with some very here. interesting. Pre it, it, it's different, yeah. But you're the trailblazer. You're the one that, 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 that cuts the pathway out. Okay. So... Because, see, in, um, and it takes Mama Jeffries to come here to tell the story. Yeah. Because, see, they would have prophets now in Ghana that they brought to um, the museum here in America. And she would look at people and say, you need such and such an herb. And she would reach up in the sky. And when she come back, the herb would be in her hand and say, here. Wow. Yeah, see. <laughs> this like, is some, <laughs> this is like, but these were prophets. Right. We call them prophets of a different order. Mm -hmm. That's all I said, prophets of a different order. But this is something that's been going on in Africa, and there's a move of God in Africa right now with the prophets. But it is, when you look at it, it was very similar to the prophetic of what you saw in the 1960s and 70s in America here. Now, this was probably right before you were born. Well, I was born. But there would be times when the spirit would get high and our ancestors would be in the service and would start writing in the floor and prophesying. Wow. I don't know if you ever heard of stuff like that happening. Not necessarily that, but I've seen a lot of demonstrations with uh, people I've been in church. You know, I'm, my, people often talk about the old school and you know, some of these young people lays them out, you know, the old, you don't know nothing about no old school, you're born in 2000, mm -hmm. right. you know. I got the <laughs> tail end of that, that right. kind of old school from what my father and my grandmother talk about. So I did witness a few things and, and the prophetic at that time, it wasn't necessarily about you're gonna, you're gonna get a house, you're gonna get a car. A lot of things were prophetic demonstration. Yeah. I recall, um, I had to have been about eight, seven to eight years old, and my brother and myself, one of the prophets in my grandmother's church, she came and she put my brother and, my, and myself in the middle of the floor. And she started just going around us. And mm -hmm. she just was going around us and she was building a spiritual hedge around us at that young age that when I look back over my life and I see that there are certain things that I did not see that I was not exposed to because it could have hindered my faith. Mm -hmm. uh, so those, those things that my brother and I were protected from uh, kind of kept us, but it was through prophetic demonstration. Yes, so thank you. And so we would be in all night prayers this is at Apostle Johnny Washington Church, which flowed a lot in the prophetic, especially mm -hmm. in those all-night prayers. 
And I watch a woman prophesy in the service, and oil just started appearing in her hand, and the oil just started dripping. Wow. Right. This was at Tabernacle of Prayer. Mm -hmm. I remember I was in a service, and I had my friend, and he was Spanish. And he turned around like he saw a ghost because, you know, they were praying, we were praying in tongues. And a woman behind us that we knew did not speak no Spanish started speaking perfect Spanish. Mm. Wow. And started saying, and he, looked, he said she was just praying in tongues and she was just saying, the battle, the battle, let it be, let it be, the battle, the battle, let it be, let it be, the battle, the battle. And he was like, so we would see demonstration, and we would see people getting up right in the floor in the spirit. And sometimes the prophets wouldn't say anything. They would just be looking at what the prophet is doing in the service. Hmm. It might be just calling two people out, mm -hmm. like he was just saying, and just, you know, connecting people together. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there looking and watching. And, and, and the next thing you know, it was just... It was a sign of something that was, that was being demonstrated, but no words was passed. Mm -hmm. oh. And so this is the way when you look at the And then in Brooklyn, because I grew up in Brooklyn, there was a woman that used to be on the buses, trains, and you, I would see her in the streets every so often. She would wear all white and be barefoot mm. year-round. Snow, rain, hail. It might have been Prophet of Shushan. She, she was one of us. She wore all white, uh, and she walked barefoot. She said the Lord told her to uh, take off her shoes, mm -hmm. and she walked barefoot. And like you said, in the snow and the rain that we, she was, wow. um, she was from the church that I, that I told you about my father was in, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Uh, yes, on St. John's, uh, John's Place. Well, listen. Wow. That Glass and everything, and she never got an infection on her foot. Yep. I would see her. I was a little boy coming from school. Mm. And this woman, and then, and, after, and then I got saved when I was 15. I got saved March 20th, 1975, probably in the month of a bid. Possibly so. <laughs> um, that's very interesting. I'm going to go back and look to see when the new moon came in on that day. That's what, what, what day was that? March 20th. 19, I can look it up on my phone. 1975. That's the day I got saved. March 20th, 1975. No, I got saved March 20, March 21st, 1975, because Arturo Skinner died the day before. Oh, wow. March 20th, yes. 1975 is Abib the 8th. Abib the 8th. Wow. March 20th, 1975. That's the month of Abib. The month of Abib. That's amazing. Bishop, I got saved March, 20, March 24th, 1994. March 24th. Wow, that month. Let's see, let's, let's see what Abib is. March 24th. 19 what? 1994. 1994. March 20th. March, he's he's March, March 24th. 24th. March 24th um, is... Uh, Abib the 12th. You're Abib the 12th. See, you're supposed to be a disciple, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hush. 
This, uh, this is something. This okay. is an encyclopedia. I can see right now. We got to, you know what? We're going to have to stop. We're, we're not through. <laughs> you will be back. You know, we probably should just do, we should just do um, our own Wednesday Savage School with him every Wednesday and just go for the next. We need to we need to talk with him and see if he can come in and just I, you know, tell Bishop, and teach for the we next. We could oh. have him and then you could call uh, Prophet Mosley. And uh, Dr. Only and just have uh, just a a a class on when a series. Let's Answer. go back to the Bible. Dr. Mosley, he would be our our Passover preacher at my father's church every year. Yeah, you know, Prophet Mosley and I we go back from the nineteen. Oh no, maybe the late seventies. Mm. Wow. I know. We go way back. Oh, that would be beautiful. Prophet Mosley has always been an unusual. You know, we need to really do a prophetic series because New York has had some major prophets <clears throat> that have come out of the New York City area. Mm -hmm. Very true. It, it, well, he was really from Connecticut, but he ministered so much in New York. Mm -hmm. this, this whole region had some real, you know, and then Apostle Latour Skinner. My father talks about, um, of course, you, you Bishop Charles Reed. Yeah. He said sir. that Bishop Charles Reed was a prophet. Yeah. And absolutely. back in his, um, at his mother's Monday night prayers, that they would be in there praying and prophesying. Yes. Uh, Bishop Charles Reed, Pastor Nathan Simmons. Nathan Simmons. They would all be in there, you know, uh, one start and another one pick it up and they'd just be prophesying all the time. Mm. I feel a prophetic move coming on. Woo. Okay, listen, we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to just quit. Let's, uh, we're going to end this podcast and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. To keep in touch with Master Prophet E. Bernard Jordan, go to www.bishopjordan.com and follow him on all social media platforms. To get more information about the Prophecology Conference and or more special events, go to www.zoeministries.com or call 888-831-0434. Thank you and stay blessed. <laughs>